welcome to yeah but what's really going on where we scratch the surface of what we're saying and thinking to offer some insight into what's really going on my name's sarah and as a transformational coach i've seen the true magic of inner well-being despite the human ability to convince otherwise and i'm martin and i've been in the corporate world for 27 years and i've always been interested in the people aspect of corporate life I recently obtained a master's degree in workplace health and well-being, and I'm keen to explore the world of people further. So join us each week as we take a real subject that's popped up for us and with an alternative take, get curious about what's really going on for all of us. So today we wanted to talk about clutter. Over the festive period, we had a little bit of a clear out. Yes. It got us thinking and pondering about not only physical clutter but mental clutter and we also watched the minimalists less is now and it opened up a really fantastic conversation around clutter and the cluttering of the mind and how holding on to thoughts and thinking and baggage really bothers the mind and then bothers the behaviour. So we just thought we'd have a good old yarn about that. Yeah, and also the sometimes that mental clutter can manifest itself in physical clutter. And I think from my perspective, that probably is a couple of things. One, it can be in the stuff that we own yeah. or the stuff that we consume. You know, if I think about I used to eat to excess mm. and that created a lot of clutter for me physically as well as mentally, which was tricky to to deal with and to navigate through. And I didn't do a very good job of it for a long, long time. But I um, thought it'd be good to see how both of those things, the physical and the mental, can be an interesting thing for people to ponder and consider as we start a new year. And we probably won't get onto goal setting because <laughs> Sarah is very much in a place of... Goal setting is bullshit. Um, but we might we'll come on to that because I think it's a very valid alternative perspective. But shall we go back to where the original inspiration for this conversation came from? After Christmas yeah. and before New Year, we took down some of the Christmas decorations, but not all of them. We took the tree down, didn't yeah. we? We knew that the tree coming down would create a bit of space. But also we knew that that tree was going to have to go back in its box because it's an artificial one. And that goes in mm. the hallway cupboard, which is a big, big cupboard. It houses a lot of stuff. It houses coats and dresses and uh, the business suit that I hope I never have to wear again. We ended up putting a good solid day's worth of effort into letting go of a lot of stuff that no longer added any value ahead of mm -hmm. watching the minimalists documentary but i think you were the catalyst for that hallway cupboard clear out it's a floor to ceiling sort of six foot wide eight to ten foot high so there was there's plenty of room to put a lot of stuff in and it had become there was every chance you'd get whacked by something if you did indeed open the door i think also as well you wanted to put me in the cupboard and what i mean by that was <laughs> Was, Excuse me? You wanted to put me in the cupboard in terms of setting up a desk for me in the cupboard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
I think for me what kind of naturally occurred when I was considering the stuff is just the clutter being there as a representation of what was going on up in the old mind uh-huh. and lots of things whizzing around and lots of things that were occupying the mind of, of thoughts that were generating a lot of feeling and a lot of feeling that was generating a lot of mood and there was a natural reaction for me to do something about that. I saw the illusion in that one quite quickly but then what I then noticed was clearing the clutter of mind and dropping the clutter of mind freed up a certain level of space and within that space there was an abundance of creativity that bubbled to the surface we live in a two-bedroom flat there's been a lot of movement around the flat in terms of Emily being home you working from home me working from home but what was cool to see is once the clutter was gone, I had some cool ideas about where I could potentially pop a desk for me and yes. make use of some dead space within the hallway and set up a little bit of a comfortable space for me to work. It was just interesting for me to see that connection between clutter of the mind and then freedom of the mind to almost unearth creativity. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's a possibility, possibility. Yeah. creativity because creativity seems to be always there. It isn't like we have to try hard. And I think for me, creativity looks to be always there. There's a certain level of natural creativity that we all have, but mm-hmm. when we cover that up with an element of clutter, that, that's what I was going to say. The creativity is there, but quite often you can never get the chance to access it because of all the stuff that you're carrying around. Yeah, and I think that bit around less is now. I think the minimalist approach to things is a lot more and a lot deeper than just stuff because it's physical stuff, but it's also mental stuff. There's a lot of reaction within society to be getting there or getting over there, setting a goal, setting an intention, setting an action being something else whereas unearthing all of that clutter tends to bring a level of creativity to the surface that you may not have paid attention to before because it was clouded by the clutter of yeah judgment expectation whatever it is i've been a bit of a minimalist fan for a few years now yeah there's the conversation about stuff and that can be helpful but it's one part of it they talk about very eloquently is by getting rid of stuff by letting go of those you make room for what is important and and Mm. and you create space the creativity example that you talked about just then is a really good example removal of some stuff it suddenly created possibility in your mind and you were thinking about how you could creatively use the space in the hallway in our living space And we ended up transforming the way in which we use that space. I think what was cool for me to see is stuff equals story. When you have stuff, you have a story attached to your stuff. Whether that is mental or physical, stuff is a story. And you either give a reason for why you need to hang on to the stuff or give Mm. a reason. It's always that just in case kind of thing. 
I need to hold on to this thought just in case a relationship re-blossoms or just in case I reconnect with somebody or just in case I come up with that situation again and I'm armed with a certain level of experience. And we are fabulous as human beings for creating stories and telling ourselves stories and making stuff up all of the time. When really, when you strip it back, it's just our inner essence, our inner wisdom, our in, our inner intellect. I had a walk with a friend. She'd been struggling with something, and out of the blue, she said inner intelligence. And I thought that was really lovely to say and for her to access that. There is a certain amount of inner intelligence that doesn't require a story. Mm. It has its own wisdom attached to it because it's not requiring of stuff to make it make sense. It doesn't require words attached to it. I really like that stuff equals story because, and if I think about just physical stuff, it can fail to anchor you in the present moment. Let's call it nostalgia. Yeah. That trophy that I won when I was an under-11 football player and it's broken enough, but I want to keep it because it reminds me of a really happy moment in my life. And yet you think, well, why is it at the bottom of a very big box? That isn't to say that you have to chuck all your stuff away because we have mm. a box of what we would call keepsakes. Yeah. It was your wedding dress. And also a box of really meaningful stuff from Emily's yeah. childhood. A little blanket, pictures, the odd book. There's one or two keepsakes. There's not every book Emily ever had when she was a kid, every toy she ever had whenever she had when she was a kid. I think there's a lot of nostalgia attached to stuff, yet we just keep it in a, in a box in a cupboard. And then I think there's the other side of it, which is the, the future bit, and this can manifest itself in a number of ways. If I think about a really clear one for me, it would be when I was overweight, I would like hang on to a couple of items of clothing that I knew didn't fit me right now. And I'd call them gold shirts or gold <laughs> T-shirts. You know, when mm. I lose the weight, I'll be able to wear that T-shirt, that shirt. The only way I was going to fit into that shirt was to let go of it and concentrate on making sure that I created habits that allowed me to move forward with weight loss. And the minimalists talk about just in case versus just the when. Our stuff can create a lack of presence and that leads us to those stories that you talked about. I think I'd like to touch on something that you said about memory. The fact that we have memories of something that had ha that's happened. Now, for me, a memory of something is only how we've recalled it in the moment. It's not, it's not the way that it happened when yes. it happened. And a memory will always be almost a representation of a reality that's already passed. And in order for us to live a, a meaningful life, is it, I suppose, an effective way of living to live a life through a load of memories when all that is is living a life that recalls something that's already happened that is not true or doesn't exist anymore. We can yeah. all remember things that are wonderfully um, touching and amazing 
the day we got married, the day that Emily was born, sit in the warmth of that. Every time I recall that memory, I recall it in a different way. And that's the magic of thought. Yeah, and how you feel about it yeah. is different to how yeah. you were either thought about it at the time yeah. or have thought about it on an occasion mm. since then. Yeah, it's a really good point because you know me, the amount of conversations we've had where, where I'll say, well, this happened in, in this year at this point, and you'll go, no, it didn't. You can find yourself thinking about a moment, that's something that happened, I don't know, 10 years ago or five years ago or even maybe a month ago and your interpretation of it depending on what you're thinking about at that moment in time and where your mood is at you can interpret it in a, in a very different way like a really good example you know when I when I failed that promotional panel like nine years ago whenever it was now my view on it now is a lot more positive mm. than what it was than, than what it was eight and a half years ago eight and a half years ago it was bloody raw borderline angry certainly massively frustrated and yet now i see it as like the best thing that ever happened to me because it helped me appreciate failure and how succeeding at that point would have been completely wrong and, and it would have taken my life in a different direction so we're always creating new versions of the past but the reality is that none of them serve us Unless you just, in my opinion, just focus on the core essence of what that experience was. Becoming a parent, mm. getting married. We decided to get married. We got married. And thank God we're still married after 20 <laughs> years. But again, that's a story in itself, isn't it? And things that happened, I don't know, five years ago in your marriage or 10 years ago in your marriage. Mm. Like how you viewed them at the time versus how you view them now are very, are, can often be very different. And I think that's one thing for me that I keep coming back to and keep still amazes me every day is that when you see that it's all thought, everything is thought. Yeah. We can think anything and everything, and we do. But then again, we don't need to think anything or everything because we just don't. Mm. And when it's all thought, a new friend um, that I met on a coaching call happened to utter a, a great answer to a question when he got asked, how are you? And he said, I don't really care how I am because how I think changes from moment to moment. As a society, we tend to clutter our brain thinking about how we are thinking and thinking about how we are and thinking about how we feel and thinking about how we react to everything and thinking about how we interpret everything, isn't it more fascinating to understand that we think rather than what we think? Why is it do we not realise that everything is thought because we're human, because we think that the world is coming at us. I don't know, I can only talk about it from my perspective, yep. because how I saw the world a couple of years ago is completely different to how I, I see it now. I thought that the world was out to get me. I thought that I wasn't enough. I thought that I had to do something to fix me because I was a human imposter. I wasn't worthy of life. And to 
settle in for anybody to settle in and see for themselves you are enough despite what you may be telling yourself to the contrary exactly as you are and you are enough with all of the things that you are telling yourself to the contrary because that's all part of having a human experience that's all part of it we will have clutter but it doesn't matter what the clutter is and it doesn't matter that we analyze the clutter and we we try and categorize the clutter and we do anything about the clutter it's just the fact that that's what it is to be a human being and the clutter is self-created i think quite often we fall into the trap of thinking that somehow the cluttering has been done to us yeah you feel what you want to feel yeah the challenge that we often face is that we feel obligations too often in our lives to hold on to a lot of things you know we were talking about broadly being in a christmas lockdown uh, only christmas day was available for people to connect with families for one day and as a result a lot of people that i've spoken to certainly uh, through work have talked about how quiet the christmas was it got me thinking about years ago the amount of obligation that i certainly felt towards visiting my family you know 200 miles away in yorkshire was really strong you know, we have more than our fair share of disagreements about what we should or shouldn't do in those sorts of situations and that was me being led by external factors yeah you summed it up better than i did there so it's doing something to generate a response and to generate a more positive response than a negative response other rather mm. than just accepting the natural roller coaster of emotions as and when they happen and sure. not attaching any meaning to yeah and you can create some real fate accomplices in your mind when you do it like if I don't visit my family over Christmas, they're, they're going to think less of me. Mm. They're, they're going to disown me. They won't speak to me for months. I wrestled with that for a number of years and made some absolute balls-ups about it. Whereas now, if we want to go to Yorkshire, we do it because we want to do it, because it feels right, not because there is some external obligation mm. There are 364 other days in the year when you could go and visit family mm. and it'd be equally as impactful. But there's this thing about times like Christmas. There is so much nostalgia linked to these things and, and they force, I think, historical memories to bubble up and fester in a way that makes things out to be more than they are. I just want to go back to something that you said that, that touched me a little bit around quiet and seeking quietness. And I think for anybody to see that quiet is actually the default of everything, there is never any noise ever. It's only the noise that we apply to it. Quiet is not something to seek it doesn't require effort and work and quiet determination is, quiet yes. is the default absolutely and i think there's definitely a way in which the world has got it flipped on its head where we do things to seek 
peace and quiet. Let me sit and meditate for 10 minutes in order to seek quietness and peace. How dare you, Sarah? I meditate every day. I know, and that's absolutely fine if that works for you. Yeah. You don't need to meditate it's to not, seek quietness. It's not quietness. a solution. It's not a solution. Yeah, absolutely agree. When the mind slows down, which it does all by itself, and this is what I suppose we're talking about in terms of clutter, when that clutter is just not an issue anymore, not got any meaning attached to it, there is space, and in that space there is quiet. And there is nothing. And when I say nothing, I mean no thing. Because with no thing... Yeah, you're not empty or devoid of feeling or thinking or emotion. You are just... Well, there's no thing. Beautiful. We fear no thing. Because no thing equals boredom, inactivity. Yeah. But to see that something will always come from nothing and it comes because there is that inner wisdom and that inner intelligence that helps with that creativity we trust that something will come from nothing because there is space in order for us to see it the ironic thing about what you've just said there is that a lot of us seek quiet. Oh, yeah. Because whether we realise it or not, we've created the noise. And I said noise in inverted commas. Okay. Christmas is coming up. And it, decorations and, and turkeys and how many veg are we having? And I imagine like when the, the rules on um, COVID were, these are the days on which you can mix with family. I imagine that the amount of noise created by people going... Who's coming over when? Where are they going to sit? How much food do we need? Everything is so crazy. I need to create a bit of quiet. I need to remove the noise. I I think it's hugely ironic that a lot of us don't realise that all that noise isn't coming at us. Yeah. We have created it. And I think the expectation around Christmas, you touched on it a little bit, around Mm. gifts and presents and stuff. Let's just get really het up and in a tiz about gift giving and giving people stuff that they don't need and then receiving stuff that you don't need because there's an expectation in order to show love for somebody, you need to gift them something. Yeah. What if you gave them the gift of falling in love with being alive? I've seen it. That is the what I do through the transformational coaching that I do. Who wouldn't want to be in complete and utter love with being alive? That isn't something that you can wrap. And that's where the challenge lies for us as humans. We like something to touch. We like something to feel. We like something Something new. Shiny. Status that goes with that new laptop, that new iPhone, that new set of AirPods, whatever it is. But think about a place within you that you know is there, you've seen it, you've felt it, how it makes you feel, whether you get goosebumps, whether you get that overarching feeling of love and compassion, whether you feel more alive than you've ever felt in your life. You've got clarity, the flowers smell more beautiful, the sky looks more bluer, your whole environment looks completely different. Think of that feeling because we've all had it in moments and think about gifting that to anybody that you love. 
that would be an amazing thing for anybody to see. But surely you don't have to gift it to anyone. They just gift it to themselves, don't they? But absolutely they gift it to themselves. But being able to show somebody that gift, being mm. able to yes. allow somebody to experience that or, or show somebody or point somebody in that direction, being able to gift that, that gift of being awake to the, the love of life. There's no clutter involved in that. The mind slows down and space is created. What wonderful things can happen in that space. Yeah. You are enough exactly as you are. But you've also got the ability to convince yourself otherwise. Yeah, just touching on the new year, bit, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day thing. The amount of significance, the anticipation of New Year's Eve, of the new year arriving. I appreciate that this probably sounds a little bit cynical and it's not intended to be cynical because the realisation that New Year's Eve and having a party on New Year's Eve is no different to having a party on any other day. You can attach a ton of significance to the, yeah, but it's the, it's the turning of a new year, it's a new calendar year, all that sort of stuff. The amount of stuff that I saw on social media from people saying, goodbye 2020, I cannot wait for 2021. Mm. 2021 arrives and within days we are in lockdown. How is your 2021 better than your 2020 right now? I don't think it is driven by the year ending in a one rather than a zero. Here we are with people going, oh, oh God, lockdown and blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. It's like, it was easy to yeah. see that it was coming. But yeah, if you think the world works outside in rather than inside yeah. out, then you would do. You would think it's a parish island. And to be honest, it is. We've all had our challenges. I've been in tears at least twice this week that I can recall. But even that is part of the, the human wave of emotion and the strength of importance that we put on a day if you were to say does it really matter does it matter as much as any other day because time is an illusion <laughs> <laughs> all we have is now the epitome of clutter is carrying around stuff that is not now. Yeah. The burden of expectation, the weight of expectation. It ain't now. Yeah, we have no idea what's going to happen in the future. And that is the understatement of the year, obviously. But I think in the current environment and set of circumstances that we find ourselves living with, especially in the UK in terms of the way in which we're dealing with lockdown, a good example will be, you know, speaking to people about summer holidays. Should I book a summer holiday? Should I not book a summer holiday? If I book one, will we be able to go? Do we think lockdown will have been lifted? Will enough people have been vaccinated? The only certainty you have is that the summer is six months away. I think the only certainty that you have right now is probably that you're going to take your next breath. And even that's uncertain. Yeah, you know, we are not, we don't live six months in the future. And we live here and now. But isn't that clutter in its essence? Yeah, Isn't absolutely. that adding more clutter into the yeah. mind, into the psyche, into the way in which thought occurs? Yeah. Simply creating unnecessary clutter. They may feel there's great value in trying to figure that stuff out, but as you've said to me on many occasions, Sarah, 
figuring stuff out is unhelpful and in essence is clutter in itself and yeah because when you settle into where thought comes from and how it occurs and that natural inner intelligence and inner wisdom nothing ever requires figuring out because it will figure itself out somehow and you let go and you surrender to that it will naturally unfold how it naturally unfolds that's i suppose why i see the truth in goals being a bit of an illusion and very Mm. dead set against goals the the only thing that i wanted to do differently i suppose this year was not to take what i think of me too seriously not to take what i think generally and make it matter because what i think of anything doesn't matter because it changes all of the time so you think goal settings nonsense, but then you just set yourself a goal. <laughs> so can you just explain that a little? Yeah, it's just I've had a an idea that in order to surrender to how life is naturally, not to take myself so seriously, because all we have is free will and free mind, and all we have is the essence of what's happening right now and for me to take anything that I think and feel seriously and make it matter in that moment and hang on to it and give it and make it clutter and create clutter and baggage out of it but I know even with my own inner intelligence now that I've considered that and seen the truth in that I don't have to pay any attention to it it'll figure itself out feel like an episode about goal settings coming up. <laughs> Good conversation to have about well, yeah, let's goal just, setting and direction yeah. versus goal setting. All that oh, yeah, just let's let's just give you a stick and watch, watch as you beat yourself to death with it. <laughs> I mean, it's just... And then realise that the stick's actually not real. But we're going to make it real and then we're going to let you beat yourself to death with it. Yeah. I'd, I'd prefer to punch myself in the face. Well, yeah, yeah to beat yourself to death with a stick <laughs> or punch yourself in the face. Yeah, yeah. It's probably a good place to stop after yes. we've said punch yourself in the face and beat yourself to death. Yeah. Good chat. Awesome chat. As always. Goal setting next chat. <laughs> you can rip it to shreds and I'll fight the corner. <laughs> and we'll have a we'll have a good strong debate on that. And um Yeah, until next yeah. time. And then after that we'll have a conversation about a Trump free world. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> <laughs> oh until right, next see time. See you next time, people. Stay safe and well. All right, sending much love. Thank you.